0: Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. I love this time of year. We have had an outbreak of nativity scenes across our house. Um, I, I uh, went around, and I took pictures of our nativity scenes, and and I posted them on Facebook, then I went around the house again and realized I'd missed a couple. So, like, if there's just been this, this outbreak. Uh, it's not like the plague, but it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I love this time of year. I, I, we've gathered these nativity scenes from all around the world, and, and I, I'm fascinated by what nativity scenes show us about our theology. Um, I'm not always sure that the nativity scenes that we, we see are informed by the Bible. For instance... Take a walk around your house if you have some nativity scenes. Peer into the manger. There's a good chance that the baby Jesus will have sandy brown hair and look very Caucasian. Jesus, of course, was Jewish through and through. Have you ever seen a sandy brown-haired Jewish boy? Probably not. I love the Jesus film. Based on the Gospel of Luke, it goes on and tells the life of Jesus, and it's been used by God to transform transform uh, people's lives. I don't know if there's been a better evangelism tool than the Jesus film, but this is the guy playing the Jesus in the Jesus film. Probably looks more Spanish than Jewish. See, when you run your theology of what you believe about God through the grid of middle-class uh, Canada, you get this image of Jesus that has some distortions. And when we make Jesus like us, we miss who he wants to be for us. We try to bring down to our, Jesus down to our size and, and miss who he really is. How about you? Do you? Is your view of Jesus a little too small? Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and, and on the Sunday I want to remind you that Jesus was a legend before his time. Most people become legends do so after they die. Vincent van Gogh was a, um, was, you know, a virtually unknown painter uh, while he lived. It wasn't until after he died that he achieved notoriety. He was a legend after his time. Some people are fortunate enough to achieve, uh, become a legend during their time. Wayne Gretzky is probably... Uh, is closer to that status than any other Canadian. Uh, to millions of hockey fans, he has become a legend. But, only, but Jesus was the only person to become a legend before his time. He was made famous before he was born. He was the people's hero before he appeared in time and space and in the stable in Bethlehem. Prophet after prophet spoke of him, They told us what he would be like. Jesus was a legend before his time, in his time, and after his time. And if you grasp a hold of this, it will help with the clarity of your thinking about who Jesus is. It will keep you from bringing Jesus down to your size and allowing him to be God-size. It will help us get a better perspective on who Jesus is. We make a big deal about Christmas. The baby in a stable, the angels, the shepherds. We intuitively know that there's something really special about this baby. Today I want to take some time and show just how special he is. What I want to do is walk you through some of the prophecies, and their fulfillment. In doing so, I want you to see that Jesus was no ordinary man. 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet wrote, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. The fulfillment, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And, And how will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin, 700 B.C., the prophecy. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old. You can go back. Whose origins are from old, from ancient times. The fulfillment, of course, is found in the New Testament. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, he was born where he was predicted to be. Next slide. 710. 710 years before he was born. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Fulfillment, New Testament, Matthew. So he, Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. 450 years before Christ, I will send a messenger who will prepare a way before me. It was fulfilled in John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near." 700, uh, and 700 B.C. The voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the, the desert a highway for our God. The fulfillment, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one kind calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. 520, the prophecy, I told them, I, I think it, it best, give me my, my pay, but, but if not, keep it. So they paid me 30 pieces of silver, of course, Judas Iscariot, and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? They counted out thirty pieces of silver. A thousand years before Christ. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But but it is you, a man my, uh, like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship among the worshipers. The fulfillment? Going once, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, a friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. 520 B.C. The Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the handsome price at which they valued me. So, so I took 30 pieces of silver, and I threw, threw them to the potter at the house of the Lord. The fulfillment, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Chief priest picked up the coins and said, it's against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field uh, uh, as a burial place for foreigners. thousand years before Christ. False witnesses have have risen up against me and, and they are breathing out violence. In Matthew, now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. 700 BC, the prophecy, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. Crucifixion, then they released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified, and they spit on him and took the staff and struck him on his head again and again 700 BC he was oppressed and afflicted but he did not open his mouth he was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before its its shears of silence he did not open his mouth the fulfillment when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders he gave no answer then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony that they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. 700 B.C., the prophet, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The fulfillment And he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. 1000 B.C. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Matthew 27, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we'll believe in him. He trusts in the Lord. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. 1000 BC. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares. One for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. So this is what the soldiers did. 1000 BCs. He protects his bones, all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. The fulfillment, the soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. 755 B.C. In that day declares the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the the earth in broad daylight. The fulfillment from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament of what the Messiah would be like, and Jesus fulfilled every one of them. The chance of something like that happening, according to the law of compounding probability for mathematicians who are better at math than I am, is one chance in 84 with a whole lot of zeros. Uh, one chance in 84 times 10 to the power of 99 Let me put that in some perspective for you. If you were to take and cover the whole earth, the whole world in ping-pong balls, white ping-pong balls, and so Africa was covered and Asia was covered and North America was covered, the oceans were covered, and then amongst the white ping-pong balls, you put one red ping-pong ball. Might be in the prairies in Canada or in Antarctica. It might be in the middle of the ocean or it might be in Zambia. And you were to blindfold a person and say, okay, you can go anywhere you want, but you only have one chance to pick the red ping pong ball. That's the odds of the, uh, the prophecies of Jesus being fulfilled. The odds around the prophecies being fulfilled just in the 24 hours around his death. One chance in 537 million. To put that into perspective um, would be like me saying, okay, I'm gonna go somewhere in North America. I'm not gonna tell you where. And then you going and you picking out some random area code from North America, dialing a random number and getting me. That's the odds of the prophecies being fulfilled around the death of Jesus. Well, these are interesting statistics. But what do they have to do with Asbury in 2021? We sing the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. And it is true, Jesus calls those who would follow him his friends. But having Jesus as a friend is not like having a friend next door. If the prophecies tell us anything, they tell us that he was no ordinary person. Sometimes I think our, our logic runs like this. Well, Jesus is our buddy, and our friends, we tend to see most things the same way. Jesus is our friend, therefore, Jesus sees most things the way we do. I wouldn't count on it. If the prophecies show us anything, It's that Jesus is no ordinary person. And you may try to tame him. You may try to make him the same as you. You may turn him into the ideal of the culture you come from. But he will not conform to your image of him. Jesus can be, in fact, wants to be your friend. But don't expect him to conform to you. He calls you to conform to him. He calls you to become like him. If your upbringing, your culture, your values are different than his, he does not change to conform to us. He calls us to change to be like him. See, he's not white or black or Asian, Don't expect him to be like you. He wouldn't fit in really well to middle-class Canada. Oh, Jesus understands our culture. Jesus, being God, knows more about computer science than Bill Gates. But don't assume that he values the things that we do in our culture. Things like comfort, happiness, pain, money, power, popularity, even spirituality are often seen very differently through the eyes of Jesus than they are from our culture. Things like good and bad, right and wrong, are not defined by how we feel about those things. They're defined by how he sees those things. If you know Jesus well, then you will know that sometimes... Being a friend of Jesus can be a little uncomfortable. But what we've seen today in the word of God tells us that, that he has a right to say them. He was a legend before his time. He was no mere mortal. He was no just wise man or just good a good man or even a great man. He was the son of God in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in bodily form. I'm your pastor, but you can take or leave what I have to say. You can take or leave what your friends have to say. You can take or leave what great men and women of our time have had to say. But you can't dismiss Christ that easily. The fact that he was a legend ahead of his time gives him unusual authority. You can what he has to say about your life comes from him who knows all. When he tells you how life needs to be lived, he's the one who you need to listen to. He has watched through the centuries. He created life. He is the master of life. So he has the authority to speak about life. So whenever he says... Hey. Would you like to gain your life? Would you like to really have life? Well, those who want to gain their life, they'll lose it. But those who want to who lose their self, life for my sake and the gospel, they're going to find it. No one else can say that. When he says you must be born again, He knows what he talks about. We said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When all around us people are saying, blessed are the rich, the powerful, the self-sufficient, the proud, you need to listen to him. Blessed are the humble. He's the right to dismiss. He cannot be He cannot be dismissed as just one of many voices. His moral authority outweighs anything that the world cannot put forward. I think the reason why we we try to bring him down to our size is that it's easier to try to change him than it is to listen to him. It's easier to try to water him down than it is to follow him. But the challenge of the Christian life is this. Jesus was no ordinary person. He was a legend before his time. And when he says to you, come, follow me, that's a real command. My question is, will you follow? Will you allow Jesus to be Lord in your life? I can tell you this, he knows better than you do how to operate your life. And he loves you dearly. Jesus isn't some dictator who's out for him. He's actually the son of God who is out for you, because he loves you. He really does. He wants the best for you. Satan's the prince of the power of the the air, is what the Bible says. And there's a lot of things around us that don't want the best for us. We're in a spiritual battle. Satan doesn't want the best for us. We live in a world that, well, it has a way of pulling us down too. But here's what I can tell you. Jesus wants the best for you. So the question is, will you follow him? He won't conform to you. He calls you to conform to him. But if you do, he says this. Come that you might have life and have it to the full. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your life and for who you are. Thank you that you call us your friend. But Lord, you're not like any of our other friends. You reign on high. All authority has been given to you in heaven and earth. And so, Lord, we choose to submit to your authority and say, Lord, we're going to follow you. In these moments of silence, I would encourage you to just talk to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. When we worship you, we worship the King of the universe. We give thanks. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.